This is the Truth Network. This is Andy Thomas from the Masculine Journey podcast, where we discover what it means to be a wholehearted man. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. I am in Florida at an undisclosed location with some serious leaders who love God and want to see a revival in our country. One of those is Ryan Heffelbein, who is with the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University. So you're in sunny, hot Florida, not in Liberty Mountain, where there might be ice and snow, Ryan. But what, what gets you, what makes you come alive when you think about the hope in America, the hope for people to come to Christ? We're still a free country. We can yeah. still send missionaries. We can still preach the gospel. We can still hold church and things yeah. like that. The gospel is always central. The gospel is first. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is what puts fire in my my belly every single day, Stu. Uh, But as I look at this next generation, we're faced with a lot of challenges in America, culturally, politically. The landscape is shifting and and, and changing. I think we took a lot of these freedoms for granted, and we're trying to win back precious ground that we have forfeited, right? And so right now, now more than ever for the Gen Z generation, It's about reaching across to them using new means, methodology, strategies. Social media is a big part of that. And we've got to communicate the things that we love about this country and about freedom, which starts first in the gospel. So it starts in the gospel. And I I think this is where you get a lot of controversy. This is where you get a lot of folks that get confused. Because a lot of folks put all their eggs in that political basket. They think, well, you know, if we can get the right people elected and we can get the right majority then everything's going to be cool. But see, a lot of people are going to, could have the right political ideology, but still go to hell when they die. And so we, so how do you walk that fine line when you're communicating people getting involved in the political process? Yes. And Christians, you know, and the faith, how do you reconcile those two? I think it goes back to the first principles of what you, what we love. It's ordered love, ordered liberty. So there's a priority, the vertical relationship we have with God. We have to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then the second commandment is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. If we have right ordered priority of loves, we'll have a right ordered priority of liberty. So Christian freedom first, our, our freedom and faith in God, and then ultimately for our neighbor, advocating what leads to the best outcomes environmentally, socially. Uh, and by the way, environmentally, I don't mean ecology. I mean human flourishing. I mean people uh, who, who are able to have freedom and enjoy those freedoms. And one of those and one of the most dangerous places to be in America is in the mother's womb, mm. where the New York City, I read this statistic, this is like a year old, there, more black babies are aborted in New York City than are given birth mm. in that city. Ryan, why is advocating for those that have no voice important? And what does that have to do with your faith? I mean, if, at the very least, we, shouldn't we be fighting for the innocent as yeah. believers? You know, I, I'm glad you asked that question. You're right. The womb is one of the most dangerous places in America still. And that's even after the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the Dobbs decision just last year. We have to go to all 50 states. So we know that the pro-life movement is only getting started, right? But you're exactly right. If, if we have a case where, for example, there was a home invasion, someone breaks into someone's home and murders an entire family. We are all. We would all recoil at that. That's grievous. That that's grievous. That is. Uh, that's so terrible and horrific. How much more in a womb that was designed to carry that baby to full term? A womb uh, of the mother, right, who is supposed to nurture, provide, and protect for that child, right? That God has given her. So absolutely, we have a responsibility. We have a moral 
and spiritual responsibility to advocate for that child and also his or her mother uh, to protect and defend life. And that's what encourages me about, you know, Liberty University, a lot of great Christian colleges, but Liberty University in particular has an entire department that is the Standing for Freedom Center. You're a part of that, you know, Brother Clary. I mean, you guys have a great team. And I'm, Jared, you know, I mean, just love what y'all are doing. But give a quick, give a quick shameless plug for why does that even exist? I mean, why does... Why would a Christian school have such a strong advocacy department? You're having pastors up to the school. You're promoting things. You're doing a lot of media interviews like this one. I mean, what, 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 is, what is the Standing for Freedom Center? And how, what, if, what do you want people to know about that? I think the Standing for Freedom Center exists to make sure that, the, that Liberty University continues to maintain a focus and a priority for the public square. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is absolutely important that every department on our campus, just like every institution, has a priority and a focus. So what we exist for is to defend life, liberty, and truth to ensure the foundations of freedom exist for the next generation. We exist also to make sure that we can defend those principles of life, liberty, and truth from a biblical worldview. It's really about bridging that connection of biblical literacy to everyday life. All of Christ for all of life. And it seems like a lot of these things are like common sense. Like, I'm going to vote for the candidate not based on meanness or niceness. I'm going to vote based on life and death and, and, and fiscal. That's another big one. It is immoral to thrust any country into debt, any person into debt. I mean, we don't, you don't need Dave Ramsey to tell me if I'm, if, if I'm spending more than I'm saving and giving and earning, I got a real problem. And it's a, it's a moral issue. The debtor is slave to the lender. And so, but nationally, these are things that Christians should be leading the charge on and speaking, but doing it in a gracious way, of course. I'm, I'm fearful that we're at that cultural and political moment, Stu, where um, Americans have lived so well, so overabundantly, greater than any other nation in the history of the world, richest nation. They're about to learn and understand why, because they've never had to understand scarcity. And when things become scarce, when things become hard, that's the aha moment. It is through pain that God communicates to us, doesn't he? Yeah, well, in all all the heroes of the leaders on the left, you know, President Obama on down, they, they are, they're nice people, but they are socialists. They're, they, they've, they follow a spouse, Karl Marx and Hugo Chavez. And so they, I mean, it's almost like they're, that philosophy that bankrupted Albania and Romania and the Soviet Union and Venezuela, which used to be the fourth wealthiest country in the world, the philosophy of that socialism and communism, which all those guys love, and they think there's a way to do it, but that that basically will end what America's all about, freedom. And, and that's when they attack the First Amendment and all those things. So, But people don't understand that. And people think when you say those things, you're... You're hating people and all that. You're not. We love everyone, of course. Whatever want to get saved. Speak to that, will you? So, so I want to identify two things. There's the root problem, and then there's the symptoms. We look at materialism, and that's really the symptom. So, yeah, it came. Cult, Marxism came for all of those things. It was economically based, but before that, it came for the soul of man. It came for the heart of man. It's about destroying and, and deconstructing individual identity, who we are made in the image of God, and then who we are as a nation, as a people, those common ties. The first thing that Maoism did was it got rid of the old religion, the old customs, old practices, old history, and tried to bring about a whole new cultural revolution. And so 
the, the thing that we have to be guarded is we have to maintain and protect the things that we love, and it comes back to all circles back to Christ. Yeah, if transgender people really think their government cares about them, they got another thing going. They're just being used as pawns to create this socialistic utopia that completely destroys everyone else's morals because if we mainstream that, then it destroys the nuclear family and then it's kind of an all-out who knows what. Ryan, am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong. You're actually saying it much better than I could. We need to recognize, too, that this sexual Marxism, sexual Marxism, what it seeks to do is claim the souls of the next generation. Remember, the LGBT movement does not reproduce, they recruit. Wow. And when they recruit others in that cause, what they're de- doing is destroying their sexual and social identity. And then guess what? They have them as foot soldiers for a whole new cultural revolution. And if you think we're joking, if you're laughing, you think, ah, oh, this is never going to happen. Well, think again, because 10, 10 years ago, if anyone said that the, the government will pay for you to cut your four-year-old little boy's apparatus off because he happened to want to grab a pink crayon instead of a blue crayon in kindergarten and the parents can't be notified of it and the parents could be arrested if they stop it this is happening the government go to california they want to pay for kids to be biologically surgically damaged just because you know not letting it work itself out it's just it's horrible and they're pushing it hard ryan this is our government doing that so of course what do, what do we do? What do Christians do? Of course, you know, a- anger, but maybe that's a righteous indignation, but what do we do? Well, I think the, the main thing is, yes, we need to have anger. Yes, there needs to be vitriol. This is absolutely disgusting, but we need to go back to communicating, raising our voices. Don't succumb to the tyrannical sexual confusion that has overtaken the culture. We're advocating for those things again. I want to go back to this and press, press it home. The things that we love, the people that we love, if we really love our neighbor, we don't want to see them destroy their lives irreparably, right? Harm themselves, mutilate themselves beyond recovery. Yes, listen, spiritual scars can be healed, right? But at the end of the day, physically, they'll never be the same. We have absolutely got to step into that and be the body of Christ and love our neighbor. And as stewards of what God's given us, he's given us a vote. So like the, the, I love the I Promise to Vote movement. You guys have done all kinds of things to stand for freedom, to get people to vote, get involved, you know, register your churches to vote. People aren't dumb. You don't have to tell them how to vote. Just, you know, teach them the Bible and they'll know to vote with the values that reflect God. But then deeper than that, we need to evangelize, Ryan. We need, we need, we can reach these souls for Christ instead of making fun of people that are different from you or that have sexual confusion, lead them to Jesus. I mean, share the good news. I mean, he came and said, we're all sinners. And, you know, we also need to quit saying, well, this sin is worse than that. So we just, we need the gospel desperately. The two guys interviewing each other right now need the gospel. Amen. Amen. Well, we need the gospel first and we preach it to ourselves first. I want to go back to something you pointed out though, about voting, voting in particular. It's so important that Christian citizens understand that they do have an, a stewardship before God, not just about the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of man. This goes back to Jeremiah chapter 29, you know, uh, going back to the, the time in which the Jews in Babylon were being, being told, listen, you got to seek the welfare of that city. Pray, on, pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you'll find your welfare. The word city in Greek is polis, which is where we get the term politics. It's so important that we recognize that in our stewardship before God, we are citizen kings, meaning that we have 
a responsibility we cannot abdicate, just like David, to rule righteously. And that in, in a representative form of government, guess what? That's your vote. When 90 million evangelicals are represented in this country and less than 40% of them are registered to vote, and then, it, and then a, a, a smaller percentage of that are actually voting, there's something wrong. We do need to be voting. You got some compelling videos. You've got some great, great content. You got some things that would be a real resource for so many folks listening to Truth Talk. Ryan Heffelbein, what's the website for Standing for Freedom Center so folks can learn more about you and hear your amazing podcast too? Thanks, Stu. It's standingforfreedom.com, standingforfreedom.com. Go there. You'll see our website, Theology of Politics series, all about biblical values on issues that matter, and certainly information about how to get people registered to vote, how to lead a voter registration effort in your community and in your church. This is the Truth Network.